You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. You know, we go through a lot in this life, and the fact of the matter is, is we need one another. Uh, we need to have one another's backs. We need to understand, and we ought to understand, I mean, people are foolish not to understand or act like they don't understand the challenges that we face in life. Going back to Sunday's message, you know, we almost try to be secretive about the challenges that we face through the course of life, whether it's things from the past that still haunt us, uh, worries about the future, pressures of today, uh, and, you know, I know that, I think many of us have experienced church situations to where you're kind of supposed to come in here and act like you got it all together, uh, got it all figured out, uh, you're not struggling with anything, and it's just like, yep, uh, it's all good, right? Uh, and we know all things work together for good, but the fact of the matter is, man, we need help sometimes, and that's, that's kind of what this passage that we're looking at tonight is encouraging among uh, the people in the church, and it's just two verses that I want to look at in the text in 1 Thessalonians 5, where the Bible says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So we consider some obstacles, again, that we have towards spiritual growth, and it's really an awesome thing to think about, to think that I mean, you just put it in perspective to think about God Almighty reaching down, touching our hearts and lives, bringing us to the place that we are now, the work that God has for us. I think how repeatedly the Bible talks about the will of God that He has. Uh, you know, Ephesians chapter 1 talks about His will versus the will or the path that we were on. But it's really evidenced, believe it or not, by the fact that you're even here tonight. That God has a plan, right? God has a purpose. God is working. This is no accident. God has got this awesome thing that he's trying to do. And he's trying to get each of us connected together as a church so that we can accomplish all that he would have to accomplish through our lives. And then in so doing, uh, it's a blessing to other people. Because remember, the philosophy of the church isn't that we use people to build the church. It's that we use the church to build people, right? And that's what the Lord is doing. And as, as we surrender to Him, as, as He uses our lives, we find purpose in uh, the, the, that which we're, we're able to do and God's able to do through us. But the point is, is that there's a lot of obstacles along the way. And many of those are addressed here. Um, you know, throughout the passage, it's interesting because... Going back to the couple verses before, he was speaking about the, the, the elders and the pastor, and he was trying to put back into context. And if you remember, one of the things that Christians and even Israel was called so often was sheep. Sheep. Now, we're not just any sheep. Uh, we are following the Lord. The Bible also says we're soldiers, and the Bible also compares us to many other things. So we're not just sheep uh, in the sense, because I know... We, we definitely don't want to fall along uh, in line of those that are considered sheeple, right? We just go along with whatever uh, we're told to do. But I'll tell you this, when it comes to what God says to do, we go along with that. 
right? So we're sheep in that sense. We follow the good shepherd, the good shepherd that cares about us, the good shepherd that we know has our best interest at heart. It's not self-interest. It's uh, our best interest that works for our good and for his glory. So we're being encouraged here. And again, I think it's, I'll point it out again in verse 14. We exhort you, brethren. It's amazing. He's saying, you got to look out for each other. I got your back. And so when I titled this message, I got your back, I didn't mean it to, for me to be up here and be telling all of you, hey, I got your back, everybody, even though I do have your back. But what it is, is that's what we're saying to one another. I got your back. And the first place where he said we need to have one another's back is uh, when we're unruly. Because every one of these things, he, he gives a couple examples here. The unruly is one. That's, when we, that's, that's talking about people that get out of line. Feeble-minded, as we're going to see, speaks of being worried. You know, as we're going to see in just a moment, <clears throat> you have the unruly. How many of you ever get out of line? Anybody? Uh, Melanie raised her hand right away. And, and when I say get out of line, I'm just talking about God's trying to lead us this way. He's trying to lead us into the path of life and, and, and blessing and, 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 and comfort and peace. But every once in a while, we get a little distracted and we start kind of getting off path a little bit, getting out of line. And it's just, I'm glad and I'm thankful for people along the way that have cared enough about me to say, hey, man, what's going on? Uh, where are you heading? You know, uh, Man, I, I want to pray with you. I want to be there for you. Is there any way I can be an encouragement to you? So there's sometimes we're getting out of line. In other words, we're pushing the line, maybe crossing the line. But the feeble-minded, they're not those that are crossing the line. There are those that are huddled together in the middle, scared to go anywhere, worried to move. Worried about stuff happening. That's the idea behind feeble-mindedness. And again, that sounds like a big insult if we're to say, Oh man, you're so feeble-minded. But the Bible is not saying it in, in, in an insult kind of way. But warn uh, the unruly. He speaks of the feeble-minded. Are you ever there? Are you ever worried? Do you ever struggle with trusting God with your life? So he, he, he addresses uh, to support or the, the feeble-minded or comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak. Are you ever weak? Now this weakness goes a couple ways. In, in one way, it's talking about being morally weak. You ever feel morally weak? I mean, you ever feel like temptation is, is more than you can bear? And you feel like you're just on the verge of, 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 of just slipping off into sin, committing some sin. Anybody ever like that? Here's the thing about every one of these things, we're all there at some point or the other. Okay? Yes, you for sure. Um, we're all there at some point or the other. Uh, and that's why we need one another. That's why we need to have one another's backs. All right? So he, there again, he talks about the weak, but it also talks about them that are actually weak, like physically, that are actually sick, ill, and so forth. That we uh, find that also is applied. And uh, be patient toward all men, and we'll deal with these each here. But I want to just try to deal with these uh, quickly here. Uh, I'll, I'll give you another passage here. The Bible says in Galatians 6.1, this goes back to last week about warning the wayward. 
where the Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And really, Galatians 5, from the last verse of Galatians 5 into about 7 verses into 6, it talks about trying to help those that are kind of drifting away. And so uh, we talked a little bit about the indirect approach uh, last week. I know some people love getting up in some people's face and all that. But if our, if our motive is to help people, it affects our methodology as well. Uh, so we, you know, right, so it, we, our, our motive drives our method. And that's why the Bible says in 2 Timothy, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. The thing we've always got to remember, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. Think about this for a moment. If I'm trying to help somebody that's straying off, if I'm trying to help somebody that's, wor uh, that's, that's just lost faith and that's just worrying themselves to death, or somebody that's weak uh, on the verge of moral failure, or that, you know, whatever the case may be, as I've already mentioned, I approach them saying, hey man, I get it. I get it. I've been there, right? That's the way we approach it. We, we, we don't approach it in a way of just like, well, geez, man, I don't know what it would be like to, to be getting out of line. I don't know what it would be like to worry because I never do anything like that. I don't know what it would like to be tempted to be, to be feeling weak morally. We don't approach people that way. We pe approach people with meekness, instructing those that impose themselves. So, but I was talking a little bit about the indirect approach, which is just a, we could do a whole message about. But we talked about... Um, what we talked about last week, I'm not going to uh, reiterate, but the last two things I want to say about, well, I'll just say one other thing about the indirect approach. This is an interesting thing. Uh, starting with positive language. I've talked about this before. <laughs> but uh, I can remember one time when I was, uh, I was uh, being certified to teach target archery, uh, like the kind they teach in schools and stuff, you know, and I was being certified to teach that. And one of the things they were saying is, okay, anytime you're having to correct a student on their form, always find something first to compliment. Like if the problem is their, you know, where they're anchoring or something, uh, then first of all, but, but they've got a good stance, look for something you can positively say right first. And say, hey, I just noticed that you got a great, I, I love your stance. Your feet are aligned perfectly. But now, you're, where you're anchoring, you know, you need to come all the way back and whatever, right? And I remember just thinking, well, that's a sissy way to do it. Just walk up to them and say, fix your stupid anchor, right? Uh, <laughs> what did I hear? Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm, I, you know, can't, can't you just imagine Ryan going to preschool and just saying, my preacher cusses? Because uh, every time I say stupid or... I, there I said it again, or I-D-I-O-T, am I stupid, did I misspell that? Um, but uh, he, he says I'm cussing, okay? But uh, I remember thinking to myself, man, come on. But then, you know what I discovered about this indirect approach? 
Hey, does anybody, if you know anything about the church at Corinth, you know they had some problems in Corinth. I mean, I'm talking about some terrible, mis- terrible immorality in, at Corinth. I mean, one dude was, was sleeping with his stepmom. There was all kinds of other sexual immorality within the church. And the first six or seven verses of that uh, book, Paul says, Man, I sure do love you guys. Every time I think about y'all, it's just a blessing. I love y'all, man. I'm, I'm glad that, that you're a church of God in Christ. And then he goes into the rebuke. Jesus to the, to the uh, churches in Revelation. Man, I tell you, y'all, y'all are just killing it, man. You're doing good in this area. You're doing good in that area. But I've got somewhat against thee. Jesus points out the positive before he points out the negative. So, uh, so I'm talking about when you're trying to talk to somebody that you're trying to help get back on the right track. All right, so let's go to the second one this week. And that is, okay, so we talked about um, warning the wayward. But this week we're talking about walking with the worried. What's the Bible say there in verse 14? Comfort the feeble-minded. Does anybody remember what Jesus said, or what Jesus called the Holy Spirit when he was first telling the disciples that the Holy Spirit would come? The Comforter. The Comforter. Because, and anybody know why? What's that word Comforter mean? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It means one who comes alongside to help. It's, 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 it's paraclete. It's P-A-R-A, which means with. I'm going to come alongside and help you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who's going to walk with you. So right here, he's saying, I want you to comfort uh, the feeble-minded. I want you to be with them. I want you to help that person that's worrying. You know, I think it was Ryan that said a couple weeks ago, uh, some of us are real, we, we know really good how to deal with people that are worrying. Hey, stop worrying. Okay. No, the Bible doesn't say yell at the worriers. It says to comfort them, comfort the feeble-minded, encourage the feeble-minded. So again, these are people in the church, there are those who are in the church who are bold and courageous and unafraid. They're unafraid of persecution, unafraid of difficulty, and they're willing to put their lives on the line for the noble cause or principle of the truth. But in contrast, the feeble-minded lack boldness. To accept a challenge, they fear change, they fear the unknown, they want a risk-free life, they don't want to commit to doing anything for God unless God will sign a contract saying that this is easy street. You know, I'm I'm just scared to commit, I'm scared of this, I'm scared of that. And and, and, And you just have a, you're in a place in your life where you have a weak mind, a feeble mind. What do you do with those people? You comfort them. Again, the the confident should come alongside and help. They should comfort, encourage the worrier. Uh, and, and, And comfort in this particular passage literally means to speak alongside. Someone, to speak alongside someone. And in doing so, to offer comfort and consolation. The confident need to become personal instructors and examples to the worried and teach them by example the biblical certainty of God's promises. We just need to be there. I talk to people that worry and I listen to people that worry. And it it would be really easy to be like, you're really worried about that? 
You're really worried about that? You know, I, I, I talk to people, you know, um, whatever they're worried about, you know. I mean, Pete, now, I, I try to really help people, but because people do get worried. People spend a lot of time watching the news, watching vlogs, and watching other things. And there's enough out there to worry you to death. I mean, I'm talking about conservative voices. I'm talking about, uh, you know, people that may politically line up with our point of view. They'll worry the devil out of you, man. Uh, listen to those people. Preacher, did you realize, do you know what's going on? I'm like, yeah, I do. Uh, but do you know what's going on? Because, yeah, I know the world's at work and Satan's at work and all that, but let me tell you something. God's at work, and he's got a plan, and we're going to be all right. And I don't know what exactly all that means, but I know I'm in God's hands. And I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Amen? I know the all-powerful, almighty God. I mean, I know the all-wise God. I know the all-loving God. And I'm telling you, I, I mean, whatever, whatever comes to me. You know, preacher, if you keep drinking Elk Point water, you're going to get cancer. You know that? Uh, nobody's ever told me that. I'm just trying to think of something. But, um, uh, but uh, now if, if that was a real risk, I'd probably just quit drinking Elk Point water and do something. I'm not that dumb, so that's not the best example. Is dumb okay? I mean, he didn't hear me, but... Um, but the, the simple point I'm trying to make is, uh, you know what? I, I know that I may kill over tomorrow, or tonight for that matter. But uh, that's okay. I mean, I'm not trying to kill over. There's days I think about it. Uh, but, uh, but I'm not trying to kill over today. Uh, I'm not, I'm not I, but you know what? It could happen. Preacher, did you know just one time, man? Uh, they, they, you know, they uh, well, forget the things that explode. Somebody could help me. It's on the tip of my tongue. It's, uh, uh, I know Chad would know, but it's, uh, you know, a, a, like a deal that explodes up in the atmosphere and blanks, uh, all the electricity is gone, all the internet is gone, and uh, everything. What? EMP? Electromagnetic, yeah. Uh, after they got all their information, we shot one of them down, you know, but... Um, no, but that, that wasn't that. But, but you know that, you know one of them could, yeah. I'm not denying that that could happen. People talk about, I ain't going to get into all the stuff people talk about me, you know, with the consp conspiracy. And, and I understand, I understand that there's stuff that was conspiracy theories years back that now aren't conspiracy theories anymore because they were proven true, right? I understand that. Um, but at the same time, there's some things I can't do nothing about. What control do I have over you know, the, an EMP. What control do I have over that? Yeah, but preacher, oh, did you? And if, it, no control over that. Pre-72 vehicle. I mean, hey, 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 if you want to stock up, stock up. You know, get a horse. Get, I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can do. And I'm not against any of that stuff. Man, I'm just trying to say I ain't worried. How about that? I'm just trying to say I ain't worried about stuff. Um, and I, listen, and I ain't got a thing against stalkers. Stalkers, not stalkers. Uh, people who stalk, right? Um, preppers, right? There you go, prepping, all right? Hey, you want to know why? You could lose your job at any time. You could lose your health. What's wrong with having some stuff put back? 
What's, what's wrong with having some, you know, fresh water? And what's wrong? I, I'm not against any of that stuff. What's, what's wrong with having? I mean, I believe in all that stuff. Not enough to do it, but I, 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 I think it's a smart thing. I mean, I'm just trying to buy my groceries for this week, man. I, I mean, uh, right? But anyway, uh, all I'm trying to say is that there's things that we don't have no control over I ain't going to be worrying all about. But there's people that worry about all kinds of stuff. There's people that just seem to find stuff to worry about. Hey, try to comfort them. Try to help them. Try to be an encouragement with them. Ryan's gone. Don't call them stupid. Don't say they're idiots. Just say, man, I, hey, I, I get that you're struggling with this, but I want to comfort you in this. And maybe try to get you thinking, thinking, if you're feeble-minded, it means you're weak-minded, which means you ain't strong-minded. You can't get this everywhere. Um, and which means that you might learn, need to learn to think about other things. You can only think one thought at a time. You know, it's one of the beautiful gifts God gave. You can only think one thought at a time. That's it. Uh, so, and, and here's the other good news. You get to choose what that thought is. But if you don't have, if you're not equipped with the word of God and what the Bible says, and if you're not equipped with truth, you're going to have a hard time with this battle of your mind and you're going to be really super weak in your mind. And you'll be a worrier. Uh, so, but walk with the worried sheep. Hey, you ever worry? I worry. I'm not saying I don't ever worry. Uh, I do worry. But by the grace of God, I don't want that to be the pattern of my life. Okay, uh, third thing real quickly here tonight. Sustain the weak sheep. Help the weak, the Bible says there in verse 14. I like this. The, the, the idea, the picture between, behind the word help is to hold oneself opposite to. Now, here's the picture of that. You ever see, like, guys in the military or something that are on point or something, and they're so, or, or they're on watch, so they're having to stay up all night? And, and they'll say, hey, just lean up against me. That way, if you get tired, when you get weak, you can, you can lean on me. So it means to, I'm, I'm going to hold my, it, you, you see somebody, hey, I got you, man. I got you. I got you. See, and so when we, when we see, and that's one reason we need to be able to be a parent, a transparent with each other. Not always be trying to act like super saints and stuff. Uh, not always trying to be all secretive about stuff. Hey, man, I'm, I'm, ser I'm struggling big time. Uh, I'm tempted. I've been tempted, but here's the problem. I'm like the man in Proverbs 7. I've, I've, I've gone close to, you know, a, a lot of times. Somebody put it this way one time. He that would, uh, he that would avoid, uh, he that would keep from falling, avoid walking in slippery places. He that, would, he that would avoid, it's not avoid, he that would keep from falling would avoid walking in slippery places. In other words, we put ourselves in places of temptation sometimes. We just do. And that's when it, you, we don't just usually go from a place of strength and bam, we fall into sin. No, we normally kind of gradually head that way. You know something that, that dawned on me, not, I'd say within the last year or two. That, that, that people can actually find almost some kind of joy in being tempted. It awakens something in you. And, 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 you're not, and you don't think you're going to go there, but you're getting close to there. And your mind's going there. But man, I'm glad, I'm glad I've got some, some brothers and sisters in this church, depending on what the conversation is, to where I can say, man, hey, I, would you pray for me? Because there's something about bringing that out. Because here's the thing. I love when a guy comes to me and says, Preacher, you're going to think horrible. 
but I'm, I'm struggling with temptation. You know, and I'm like, man, me too. Me too. I'm going to pray for you. You pray for me. What's going on? And if, and if they're getting close to those slippery places, all right, man, I'm coming, along, I'm coming alongside here. I'm helping you, buddy. You can, you can lean on me. You can call me. I want to help you through this. That's what the Bible's saying. There's people who struggle with addictions. Hey, I, I've had, we, we've had people, it's been a while, but we've had people come to our house in the middle of the night. The police bring them to our house because they've gotten trouble drinking or something like that. And I'm just like, yep, come on in. Come on in. We're, go, we're, we're going to look out for you. We're going to help you. We're going to try to get you through this. And I'm just saying, we need to sustain the weak sheep. Weak brothers and sisters, man. We need to try to hold them up. We don't stand back and say, yep, there they go. There, there they go. Yep, I knew it. Had it. I called it. I said they wouldn't last the year. I said they wouldn't last two months. But we need to sustain the weak sheep. But it also, it, it does. Later, James uses this same word for weak to those that are sick. We need to look out, out after those who are sick as well. Weak in that sense. Sustain the weak. Be patient with the wearisome. Um, be patient with the wearisome. Be patient toward all men, the Bible says. Hey, does anybody ever wear on you? <laughs> uh, you know what? We wear, I'll wear on you. Somebody can say amen right there. I'll wear on you. We got to be patient with each other. Dude, if he says that again, I mean, again, seriously? I mean, we, we have to be patient with one another. And that's what, be patient toward all men. And that's the cool thing. Here it goes beyond. It says, yeah, be, be patient with everybody in the church, but you need to be patient with, toward everybody. You need to be patient toward everybody. So um, be patient with the wearisome. Um, we can become frustrated, angry, or discouraged with, you know, how about that? You know, you think about people. What about people that you've invested in? Listening? What about people you've invested in? What about people you've tried with? What about people who have texted you, called you, you've invested, you've tried to help, and then all they do is just turn and walk away again or something? Or they just start kind of missing a lot, and it don't seem like the things of God are important to them. That can get frustrating. It can get frustrating when somebody's calling you with the same old worried stuff all the time. Preacher, I'm worried about this again. Really? Yeah. Because of Biden this and that and the other thing, did you, oh my goodness. All right, well, you know, and you've got, you just got to be patient with people. Um, be patient toward all men. Um, we can be disappointed with people. Um, people that, again, that we've invested in. People that we've strengthened and encouraged. But I'm telling you, by the grace of God, we need to be patient with those that may weary you. People that those... Um, Paul gave the instruction to be forbearing with those who struggle. Those who never seem to keep pace with the other sheep, the, the rest of the church. Uh, those who are easily distracted, generally undisciplined. Um, even Jesus was righteously exasperated with the disciples 
whenever he said, Oh, ye of little faith, how long have I been with you? Right? But we just need to be patient with, you know, want to know why again? Because we're all there at some point or the other. We can all be a little much. And some of us can be a whole lot of much uh, sometimes. But we just be patient. And isn't it, isn't it great when it pays off? Now, I know people, people you know, that, ain't that crazy? We're talking about basic Christian principles and guidelines in the Bible that are foreign to many churches. You're not gracious. You don't sound to be gracious to or, or patient with the wearisome. You say, okay, that's enough. I've tried with you. I've given you. I've tried to help you. Man, nah, done. Done. Uh, how about this last one uh, this evening? Be gracious with the wicked. I'm using all W's. Wicked seems a little strong, but I'm using all W's in my alliteration if you didn't notice. But wicked does mean evil. So there you go. That's one of the first words in the definition, evil, because it says there in verse 15, see that none render evil for evil unto any man. Evil, that means uh, injurious, bad, harm, ill, noisome. Uh, for Christians, the severest, most painful disappointments come not from the wickedness of, unbelieving, of the unbelieving world, but from other people within the church. Christians are definitely capable of harming other Christians sinning against them in a variety of ways. But I just want to focus on one as we try to bring this thing down to a landing tonight. Our words. Our words. And I'm just going to read a few of these. I don't think I'll read them all. But I'll read Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. All right? Never give evil for evil. Somebody steps to you, and, you know, one of the things about the indirect approach that I didn't go back into tonight was with the indirect approach, there's a, a principle that accusations harden the will versus questions that stimulate the conscience. But accusations harden the will. In other words, when you jump up on somebody and you're like about to attack them and you've got some kind of strong words for them, you know, the idea is that you want to strike back. But the Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. Having control over your tongue, in other words. Anybody got control over their tongues? Um, it's a challenge. Proverbs 18, verse 13. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, heareth it, it's a folly and shame unto him. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. How powerful are words? Well, it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. There's things that we've been told negatively. There's some people that, that have literally lived their entire lives based on something they were said or called or identified as as a kid. You're a loser. You're never going to be worth anything. They get it in here? Okay. You're, you're just a liar. You're no good. You're always deceiving. Okay, I guess that's who I am. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's why it's very important that we learn to forget about the things that we have been classified as by the world, by others, by ourselves, and find out what God says about us. Go to Ephesians chapter 1 and see what it says about who you are in Christ. Amen. Blessed, forgiven. That's me. Conqueror. 
I mean, it's a good place to be, amen? It's good being me. Uh, not because I'm me, just because I'm forgiven, amen? And I'm saved, and I'm in Christ, and He's done a great work in my life. And, uh, but, but death and life are in the power of the tongue. So what about some positive words? What about words of appreciation, words of encouragement, words of uplifting? You know, uh, I, I've, I've done this from time to time. I've done it with the, I, I like doing it with, you know, kids, you know, Ryan and Anna's age. Anna's sleeping tonight without a PJ. She's been trying to get us to have a PJ night on a Wednesday night. And she told me she'll be asleep within just a few minutes. <laughs> but but uh, Zig Ziglar used to do this, and y'all heard me talk about it before. But it, it's a cool thing because Zig Ziglar would go up to a, and somebody says, who's Zig Ziglar? Look him up. But uh, Zig Ziglar would go up to a young, just a, just a kid, and he would, he would kind of do like this a minute, you know, and he'd look, say, yeah, let me see. That. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Um, you know, I don't see this very often, but when I look at you, I see something. What is it? I see a winner. I see a winner. Um, and, uh, he, he, but, but here's the cool thing. There's people that are adults that testified of the impact that that little interaction with Zig Ziglar had on they, they didn't, it didn't matter to them who Zig Ziglar was no more than it does some of you. But the, the idea was, man, they believed it. They said, oh, I'm a winner. So what they do? They started living like winners. They started having an attitude like a winner. Uh, they, they didn't believe. So, so death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, how about this one? Man, I tell you what. Uh, Proverbs 26. Uh, this, is, this, this is a warning. Anybody ever passive aggressive? Um, Proverbs 26 verse 18 the Bible says as a madman now not mad as in anger but a crazy person mad as a madman who casteth firebrands and arrows and death so is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith am not I in sport I'm just kidding. Man, you old worthless so-and-so. I can't believe you dropped the ball on that thing. I'm just joking around with you, man. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I, in, in other words, they'll, they'll say all kinds of junk to you. Just messing with you, Eric. I mean, but you ain't just messing with somebody. You're deceiving. And you're, you're throwing firebrands and shooting arrows and throwing death. And then just say, no, ha, ha, oh, that's hilarious. Right? You're a big failure. Preacher, that was the longest message. I don't know why you keep on preaching so long. I'm just messing with you, preacher. <laughs> okay. Well, it seemed kind of for real to me. Right? But, uh, and, uh. Uh, there's a lot to be said. James said that a small bit controls the mouth of a mighty horse. A small rudder stirs the great and mighty ships. But it says, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and it setteth on fire the course of nature and it set on... Uh, set on the fire of hell 
It includes gossip, slander on down the line. Um, but the, 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 the simple point is that don't, don't give evil for evil. Somebody says something about you, don't answer evil back. Somebody does something. In other words, there is no place for revenge in our lives. The Bible says in Romans 12 that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Somebody says, well, this isn't fair. This person needs to pay for what they've done. Well, they will. If you get your big head out of the way. But God said, oh, you, you want to repay him? Okay, let's, you could do your way then. You're, you're in my way. I would like to do something about this. But, but Lord, I'm going to do something. What are you going to do? I'm going to, Lord, here's what I, they're, they're going to feel it. I'm going to sulk. And I'm going to be bitter. And I'm going to be angry every time that person's name comes up. Boy, they're really feeling it. God says, just get yourself out of the way. Vengeance is mine. Give it to me. Let me do it. Let me do it. And God will actually do something. And maybe not right now, but he says it's my... God didn't say, no, oh, we, I don't want nothing to happen to them for what they did. He didn't say that. He said, no, I'm going to take care of it. But I just need you to get out of the way and let me do it. You, you go live a peaceable life and you leave the revenge part to me. Uh, you know, I could just go through all this. Don't, don't answer evil for evil. Um, but follow after that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Don't answer evil for evil. Um, watch what you say. Let God have the justice. In other words, the idea is, hey, there's going to be some times where I maybe say something stupid or out of line. You want to you know something? There's a good chance that I might say something to you that I for really mean and say I'm just kidding. He said, well, preacher, you just preached against it. I know. Uh, you know what I need you to do? I need, I need, I need you to, to be patient with me. I need you to forgive me. Uh, right? I need you to help me. I, I, and when I'm weak and when I'm worried, I need you to help me. I don't need, and hey, listen, let me tell you something here too. We, we need to have some good sense about stuff, don't we? Let me tell you something here. Just some good, good wisdom here when it comes to helping and blessing each other. Let's all stand and it'll help me stop quicker. Um, when it comes to helping and blessing each other, never say, I know what you're going through if you don't know what they're going through. Hey, we ought to learn Romans 8.28 like Ryan said. That's a powerful verse. But somebody comes up to you and talks about some awful event that they've just gone through in their life. Well, hey, you know what the Bible says, don't you? This is a good thing. And it don't say it's a good thing, does it? It says all things work together for good. It don't say it's good, but it says it works together for good. Now, that's true. But people don't always need a sermon. Sometimes people just need to hear, man, that sounds awful. That sounds rough. I'm going to pray for you. Is there anything I can do? Anything I can do. Now, there may be a time to come along and give them an encouraging word. Uh, I mean, as, as far as, you know, something along those lines. But sometimes people just need to know you love them and you care about them. Sometimes people just, hey, guys especially, maybe girls, uh, some of the girls, I don't know. But I know one thing us guys are really good at because I know guys, but we like fixing stuff. We like fixing stuff. We like fixing people. And guys, how's that work in your marriage anyway? Wife tells you a problem, I got a solution. You know what, she's not trying to look for a solution. She's just trying to talk to you about it. 
And it can be the same thing with the wife toward the husband. But my point is, we don't always have to have, you know, well, here's how you fix your problem. No, sometimes it can just be like, hey, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Is there anything I can do? And there's times we offer solutions. We don't ever not offer, we don't offer, avoid that all the time. But there's sometimes just people need to know that you care. They just need to talk to you. Amen. Uh, hey, well, listen, God help us to have one another's backs. Amen. We need it. Um, and as we close out tonight, I, wanna, I, I never want to have a service without mentioning the importance of making sure that you know Christ is your Savior. That's really the main thing, isn't it? Because that's where it starts, man. There is nothing greater than knowing the Lord. Because within this life, man, it's not a life that was meant to be lived without God. But really, the main reason you need Him is because the Bible says we've all sinned. And that's put us in a really bad place with God, honestly. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's wages to sin. The wages of sin is death. Separation from God now but also separation from God in eternity in a place called hell. But Jesus don't want anybody to go there. Therefore, Jesus went to the cross to pay that awful, awful price. You look at the cross, he did that for you, for your sin. Because your sin is repulsive. Your sin is offensive. Mine is too. All sin is. But Jesus took it all on himself because he loves you that much. He died on the cross because... That was the payment for your sin. But he did it not for himself, but for you. Rose again the third day. Why? So that if you would just believe on him and, and, and turn to him, that he would save your soul, forgive you of your sins, put you in the right relationship with God, give you life, and put you on the path of life more abundantly. So if you don't know Jesus tonight, make sure you settle that. I'd say before you leave him. Before you leave here, make sure you know that you know that you know that your sins have been forgiven. And, and in the meantime, hey, watch each other's back. Have your six, right? Be looking out for each other. Hey, I, I, need, I need you to have my back. And I want to have your back. And let us have one another's back. Let us love one another. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God, for such a, uh, just a, a, a blessed group of people here tonight. And how I pray, pray dear God, that you would bless them and Help each of us, God, to just draw closer to you, to get the victory that you would have for us to live. We love you, dear Lord. We praise you for all that you have done and all that you're going to do in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. God.